Headliner Radio, the creative voice. Okay, Liam Moore, welcome to Headliner Radio. How are things? Hey, pretty well. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Has it been quite a nice place to be in the pandemic? Because I was thinking, the thing I love about Berlin is it's such a nice, sort of spacious place, whereas London's quite, um, you, know, you get really crazy crowds of people. So I thought maybe that sense of spaciousness might be nice when you're locked down and you're just going for walks, and if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it depends where you live in Berlin, but... Um, I live in Friedrichshain and it's, it's super nice. You have a lot of parks and many opportunities to go for a walk. So it's okay. I guess it could be worse. So, um, I'm quite happy and, um, yeah, I'm just yeah. waiting until the situation gets better. Have you always lived in Berlin? Um, no, I was, was born in, in Asia in Kyrgyzstan. It's, um, Mm. I know if you know it, it's uh, like with the Tianjin mountain range next to China. And um, I was born mm. there and came to Germany when I was six um, to a little city called Detmold. It's it's known for its university, for its music university. But um, yeah, it's, it's a really small uh, city near to Cologne, I would say. And um, then I moved to Berlin like 11 years ago. Yeah, well, I mean, well, yeah, first, so were your parents just working in Asia back then? And then um, was it, were they moving back to Germany at all? Or? Uh, yeah, they still kind of work there, but they also mm -hmm. lived in Germany. So, yeah, sometimes they're um, yeah, there and sometimes in Germany, it depends on how the business is going <laughs> yeah. yeah um so just to kind of introduce you, you're an electronic artist and um yeah what point in your life did you start getting into music and um electronic music as well um i actually have been always making music since i'm a kid as my dad had some 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 jury at home and to record music and um i really got into electronic music when i was uh i would say maybe 16 because um i was listening to some some records from like some warp records and we played them when, when we were skating um and yeah that was the starting point i think of from for me with uh, electronic music and when i moved to berlin it yeah it was quite um easy to get into the electronic music scene because Berlin is, I think, one of the most exciting cities for electronic music. Mm. And, um, yeah, that was kind of my experience. Was it when you moved to Berlin, you started to take the music like more seriously? Yeah, I, um, I moved to Berlin because of my music career, because I got the chance to record a few demos at Hansa Studios. It's a really nice mm. studio complex next to Potsdamer Platz. And, um, yeah, it was completely overwhelming. And, um, that was kind of the starting point for my whole career. And, uh, it was right after, after I finished, um, school when I was 18. And from then on, I, I was writing music every day and producing and, yeah, working on music stuff. And, cause now you're based at Funk House. 
right, which is, yeah, can you just tell us how you came to be there and can you tell people about the studios in case they haven't heard it? Because it's legendary studios, aren't they? Uh, yeah, it's, um, Funkhaus is a broadcast studio from the GDR. Um, it was built, I guess, in 1951 by uh, Franz Ehrlich, uh, who was a Bauhaus architect and designer. And um, it's it's a stunning place. It's um, most of, It has a lot of studios, and most of the studios have been refurbished during the last couple of years. And, yeah, I'm really happy to own one of them. It's uh, not far away from my home. So I uh, saw the place when I was um, at a concert, I guess. I oh, know I was recording there, actually. Um, a friend of mine had a studio there, like it, really like nine years ago. And I was uh, recording a live session there. And then I found, uh, then I knew, yeah, it kind of discovered the place. And um, it became quite quickly really famous i would say in germany and maybe worldwide because of the because of all the artists who are working there and because of the concerts we had um the album release of deepage mode there many yeah stunning concerts like ethics twin played a show we had many festivals there and um during the last years so uh, it's a stunning place and I would recommend, um, to, would totally recommend to to go there whenever you're in Berlin. Whenever the the situation is better than now, then you should uh, take a walk to Funkhaus for sure. Oh wow, are people allowed to visit? Yeah, Absolutely. you can just kind of walk in and have a look around. Mm. Can you? Yeah, uh, they can book a tour, or they can just just walk in. It's super easy. Oh, you can just go there and. There are some restaurants and nice coffees uh, and yeah, super nice. Which district of Berlin is it in again? Um, the studio itself is in Köpenick, right? But it's uh, next to Friedrichshain. It's like maybe five minutes from Ostkreuz. Maybe you know Ostkreuz. It's um, is this yeah, kind of west? It's east. Or, or uh, east couldn't I? Sorry, you said the GDR, didn't you? Of course. Wow. Yeah. East, I'm trying to think Berlin. if I've been to Friedrichshain. I'm not sure if I. I might. Sorry. Have been. I'm trying to think if I've been to Friedrich. Oh, Sorry, my act, my pronunciation is terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's like if you go to Blackhine or to any other club, they are on Friedrichshain. Oh yes, well I tried to get into Bergheim and I was turned away. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> it's, a, it's crazy. Yeah, but then we had a lovely walk along the um, the East Side Gallery, which is always yeah, it's lovely. nice. Oh, so Funkhouse is near near the wall, is it? Yeah, it's, I would say ten or fifteen minutes from from uh, the Eastside Gallery. So yeah, it's super nice. Oh, you, can, cool. you can go there by train or um, like ten minutes by car, maybe. So Funkhouse, I presume, has that lovely Soviet architecture of the time and um, all of those kind of vibes. Yeah, it has super stunning um, Bauhaus vibes. It's it's crazy mm-hmm. because. I think the new owner, he didn't know what he's buying. I, I mean, he knew it, but not really because he didn't open all the doors. And there are so many nice rooms and the design is just just stunning, really. I n- never saw something like this before. And also afterwards, it's one of the, the most stunning studios or most stunning places I saw in my life. And as you were saying, it's kind of, it's not just studios. People film a lot of concerts there. I mean, I watched um, Nils Fromm's. Uh, he I recorded a film there recently, produced by Brad Pitt, of all people. Um, I have you seen that film? Yeah, sure. Yeah. We, you were there, did you say? Yeah, I was. Um, I was on tour with Nils during the, uh, the yeah during the tour in uh, oh, wow. North America and Canada. So yeah. were, you, were you supporting? No, not really. Um, he just asked me to join as a friend and as a merch guy. So I was just selling merch and oh, cool. just making drinks for everyone, making everyone happy. And kind of, I was just um, there as a friend, but it was super exciting because I, I don't know how long we were there, a few months. And um, mm. I saw just 
saw so many cities and so many venues and met so many people. Also met Brad Pitt. And so, yeah, he came to the shows. It was super, mm. it was crazy, crazy times. Well, yeah, just to pick up on that. So this is the crazy story that Niels was offered to score the film Ad Astra, right? I think, yeah. did Brad Pitt personally want Niels to do it? And then... Um, yeah, he personally asked him. Wow. So he went, he can't, I, I'm not sure how it was. I think he, uh, his manager uh, got uh, in contact with Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt's manager, or with Brad Pitt directly. And then he invited, Brad Pitt invited um, Felix and Niels to his home and during the tour. Then he showed them his uh, movie and asked Niels if he would like to do the score for it. But Niels said no. <laughs> that was crazy. And it, I mean, he didn't say no. He wasn't sure from the beginning. And um, I, I think at the end he did some, some, some scoring, but not the whole movie. I think uh, Max Richter did the whole score, which was mm. also nice. So. Yeah, it's all good. Yeah, I mean, Max is one of my other favorite composers, so it worked out. Um, yeah, I can't get. Do you know why he turned that down? It's I'm just trying to fathom being offered a film like that and saying no. It's, yeah, it blows my I mind. Think he was, he just was super busy, and um, she 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 really loved the idea, and she I think she really liked the movie, but um, it was just. Yeah, just so much to do. And if you play, I don't, I don't know, like 200 concerts in one year, then you, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm not sure if, if you're able to create a score for a movie like that because it takes really a lot of time. And if you want to do it right and if you want to um, do something that makes the movie better or at least that supports the movie and doesn't make it worse, <laughs> then um, you have to be just honest. And he was just super honest. And I think he just said that he can't do it right now. And yeah, it was fun because Brad Pitt asked him twice. That was fun. But yeah. yeah. Like a yeah, year I've ago. Stories where, Sorry? I think that happened with David Fincher and um, Trent Reznor from Nine Inch Nails. He asked him to ah, do yeah. the social network and then... Um, Trent Reznor said no because he was really tired. But then when David Fincher asked him a second time, he was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but Neil said no twice, which is great. Yeah. Crazy. Also, um, also with John Williams and Steven Spielberg. With, oh, really? Uh, um, Schindler's List. Oh, no way. Yeah. There's a story. It's super fun. John Williams is explaining that... Um, is it Steven Spielberg? Yeah, it was Steven Spielberg, right? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he asked John Williams, and John Williams said, um, I think I'm. Uh, you need a better composer than me for this movie. And Steven Spielberg <laughs> answered, I know, but they are all dead. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, exactly. yeah. Wow, nice. John Williams is really modest. That's that's funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's a funny guy. Um. And so, did you say you personally met Brad at one of the shows? I take it, or I'd only said um, hello. Um, he won't remember me, so <laughs> he was at, at a backstage, and um, yeah, I was just uh, quickly saying hello and had my fan moment. That was it. Yeah, but I, I I wasn't in contact with him at all. Just sitting in the same row, and yeah. Oh, can you remember which show it was where you were in America? Uh, which show it was? Yeah, can you remember uh, where in America you were? Yeah, in LA, in the church okay. where um, Sister Act was filmed. I forgot the name. Um, wow. Yeah, it was. It was a church in LA. Um, yeah, super nice. Like James Blake played before, and yeah, it was, wow. it was a super nice venue. That's that's mad. Um, so maybe Nils will keep. I'm sorry, maybe Brad will keep asking Nils to do films. And then if he keeps saying no, maybe he could suggest uh, you do the music, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm, I think I'm, uh, I, maybe I need some more years 
to yeah but yeah i would I would love to do that it sounds like you're a film fan so is, is that something you thought about doing music for films absolutely yeah i i would love to do to do films and to do your series to do to com- to combine music with uh pictures and especially when you have already some pictures in mind and someone who has a idea or has a yeah concept for some some pictures and i i love to to work on music for that because it's so easy if you for example if i compose music or if i produce music i always have my own little movie in my head i'm creating scenes that i'm trying to um that I'm trying to 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 express musically, and um, if someone gives you already some pictures, and especially someone who has, uh, yeah, who's a professional, and and who has already filmed some some scenes, maybe, then it's so nice. You can do so much, and you can play with the emotions of the scenes. It's it's crazy how you can, how you can make a how how you can make a film better or even worse with the music. Oh god, absolutely, yeah. Um, so I'm just aware we've talked about Nils Fram a lot. I don't know if we gave the proper context. So just to explain, did you you met Nils through working at Funkhouse, I presume? Yeah, exactly. I have my studio at Funkhouse, and he has yeah one of the most stunning studios at Funkhouse, the Saal 3. Yeah. And um, I met him because I was there. Just we were eating every day, and just uh, someday we were just yeah um talking to each other yeah you must meet quite a few really interesting artists then just going for a coffee or whatever in in the studios i presume um sorry you mean like um i I didn't get the last oh sorry yeah when you just go for a coffee in the studio you must meet a lot of really cool people oh yeah 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 absolutely it's uh the whole complex is full of uh, the whole studio is full of interesting artists and also news has always super interesting um, friends there. Like, I mean, I met Olafur Arnolds at Funkhaus, um, mm. Joke Living, and all the artists who were playing there. It was super, super nice to get in touch with um, so many interesting artists. Oh, wow. Oh, was Olafur just popping by to say hi? Because I know he's quite good friends, isn't he? With Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's amazing. Um and I mean, I've heard you've been described as being mentored or a protege of Nils Fram. Would you say that's true? Yeah, kind of. I mean, he's. We just became close friends, and of course, like as close friends do, he just um, helped me a lot with with some with some gear, with some uh, with some gear, with some uh, tips, tricks. He gave me um, the opportunity to to mix on his console and. He showed me a lot, of course, and I don't know if he wants me to say that he's my mentor or that I'm his mm. prodigy, but I would say we are just friends, and I'm super happy for. Super, I really appreciate this friendship. That's it, and I'm also trying to get away from from this, um, yeah, from people saying that I'm his prodigy or something because. Um, I want to do my own my own music and my own. I find one want to find my own way to produce music, and it's um, always better if you just try to figure it out on your own without any help.
course. Um, I mean, because you're an electronic artist, um, and Nils, until recently, was more considered neoclassical, but then we found out he really does know, <laughs> especially on the album or melody, we really found out the electronic side of his work. And um, so, were you just learning a lot about production and all the analog wizardry he knows and that kind of thing? Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, he's a, he's a nerd. He really knows everything <laughs> about everything. <laughs> so, um, he, he had so many projects. You know, you know, Nonkeen, his band. Yeah, yeah, I've listened to that. Yeah, yeah, and um, that's amazing. And also, um, he had some project with some like dub projects with FS Bloom, and um, made some electronic uh, records that will come out soon, I guess. Um, mm. Yeah, so it's always nice to to uh, bring a synthesizer to his studio or to work on any synthesizer that he has to check it out, to do some crazy things with it. That's what we do a lot. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask about the whole kind of analog versus digital thing, where you land as a kind of electronic artist, because I know Nils is pretty religiously and does he i don't think he uses any digital equipment ever no, is that no. kind of rubbed off on your approach to music because i know no, some no. people are much some people are completely digital and then some people kind of like to use both worlds in a kind of pragmatic way but then i think nils from what i've understood just will not use any digital stuff whatsoever um yeah um not at all he's only using analog stuff but um, the thing is, I think it doesn't matter if you're if you're using digital or analog stuff. It's just about the workflow, because you have mm. some, you have so many um, uh, good workflows with analog gear because you really can um, feel what you're doing if you you know if you pull the faders and record everything like really on, on tape or whatever, it has another feeling about recording music and recording or working with digital, um, with plugins and so on. It's more like, for me, it's more like working yeah, in the office, um, at the office, you know, like, like writing, um, like, like, it's it's more like a normal normal job for me because everything happens in the computer, and I like to 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 go to think outside the computer box or however you say it, um, and to yeah, yeah and, and just just to just to play some keys, just to to touch something and see what happens. So it's it's always about the workflow. I I don't disrespect people who work completely um, who work only with digital um, on digital plugins so I think both ways are completely fine and both ways are right I know what you mean I think I love laptops they're such great technology but I find I start to feel a bit drained after a while if I spend ages on a laptop whereas I don't know an old synthesizer I feel like that's something that gives me energy just just the physical thing and not looking at a, an artificial screen. So I totally get what you mean. Yeah. Um, like, like what, making beats on a drum machine is like holding a guitar, you know, yeah. It, you can just close your eyes and you can just, just, you can just feel it. You can just, um, play around with it for a few hours. And if you do beats on a computer with your mouse and with your keyboard, then yeah, it, it's it has a different vibe. It's more about okay, I have to to get it done. I have to. You're always in a rush somehow because you want to get finished. Mm. And um, with the analog gear, sometimes I don't even record anything. I'm just playing around for four or five hours with some kicks, with some snares, and just having fun. And that's something I miss about working um, digitally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So sorry, are you are you also 100% analog then with recording and everything or do you use a few things? Or? 
not a hundred percent. I sometimes I use some digital stuff. Like I love to use, um, I love to sample things and um, mm-hmm. to put them on a MIDI keyboard and play around with it. And I, I also do, I use a lot of um, libraries uh, like the Spitfire stuff for strings. Oh, awesome. But at the end, I'm always recording them live. I'm just, I'm, I'm just using it to write, to score stuff and to write um, all the notes for all the in- instruments. For example, if I need to, to write a score for like for my last track, I, I wrote it with, uh, on the computer with all the uh, MIDI notes and with all the libraries. And then I, it, it was quite easy to, um, yeah, to arrange the string quartet um, after that. Uh, yeah, amazing. How long have you been using uh, Spitfire? Which which pack do you have? I'm using mainly the BBC Orchestra stuff. Oh, cool, yeah. And um, I really like it. The woodwinds are amazing. And um, I'm using it for two years maybe now. Yeah, since it came out. Yeah, and you're really impressed with that, are you? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, actually, it sounds so good. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm, you have, just have to be really good at programming strings to, to make it sound real. But there are some, some geniuses who are able to do a full orchestra arrangement with, um, with Spitfire, and it sounds amazing. So... Why not? Yeah, I remember speaking to you, Beving, who you mentioned. He, he says they're kind of dangerous because sometimes you plan to replace them, but then you can get really attached because they do sound so good, and you almost don't want you almost want to cancel the string quartet booking because you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I totally know what he means. Um, um, yeah, which other digital plugins are you a fan of? Just while we're on the topic, um, I can recommend the. Um, Super bad with names. Um, like this, yeah. I use the Spitfire stuff. I use, of course, I use like Fab Filter, like EQs and compressors and so on. It's always nice to have um, a few plugins of them. Like actually, like Waves, Fab Filter, and also my um, house. I forgot the name of the most. It's quite similar to Spitfire. They're also doing like uh, the decapitator and so on. You know it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I have to Google it. Yeah, I forgot the name. I'm so sorry. I'm so, I'm oh, so okay. bad. With, uh, <laughs> which, did you say which ones do you use from Wave? Sorry? Uh, from Wave, I only use like um, some channel strips or like the CLA sometimes, the compressor. Hmm. Have you uh, used Waves for a long time? Or? Sorry? And how long have you used Waves for? Oh, since since ever, actually, mm. since I can, since I have Cubase, and I oh, think okay, cool. with Cubase oh, Cubase. <laughs> or Cubase free. Oh, okay, cool. So Waves are one of your go-to people, are they? For yeah, absolutely. I can totally recommend like Waves, the Fab Filter, and Sound Toys. Ah, I got it. The Sound Toys stuff is super nice. Oh, Do you know Sound Toys? Yeah, that's Decapitator and those ones, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, amazing. It's nice for some saturation and for for just like disturbing um, sounds. It's super nice. No, amazing. Um, and just to finish the studio chat. Have you? I'd love to know, like, what sound card and speakers are you using? I'm working on RME. Like, oh, um, cool. yeah. Because it's just super. I'm not, I'm not sure if there are better um, song song cards and uh, if the bet yeah, but it's super stable and um, it always works. So I love to work with it. And uh, which one do you have? Sorry, the I have a, an older one. It's called the ADI eight. Mm-hmm. I have a few of them um, combined with a radar interface. Awesome. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a quite nice setup. And um, sometimes I work with Ableton. Sometimes I work with Cubase. It depends on on the music, actually. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and then which speakers you want? I'd love to know. Mm, I have a few. Um, I worked on uh, a lot of on, on ATC. But it's, a, what is it called? SM25 or something? Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then I, but at the moment I'm working with um, really old speakers from Klein uh, und Hummel. And they have oh, the nice. O300. It was uh, like the speaker before Neumann bought Klein und Hummel. It was a broadcast speaker. And um, there was one before the O300. It's called the O192, I guess. But let me double check this. Um, and this is an amazing speaker. It's like super linear and you have a um, yeah, really, really nice sound. It's, it's amazing. It's one of the best speakers I heard before. I heard so far. Amazing. And I, I can also Gaitain. You know Gaitain? Oh, I don't actually. Uh, Gaitain is um, uh, our speakers also like from the broadcast scene. And um, it's close to Funkhaus actually, which is uh, fun. And Niels works also on Gaitain. And mm -hmm. they also do really, really nice speakers. So yeah, Gaitain, ATC, and the old Kleine Hummel models. Oh, amazing. Um, and then I, yeah, I guess I have to ask what your favorite like synths and drum machines and analog bits. Oh, it always depends. Um, I've got so many of them. I love the CS60. Mm -hmm. Um, it's really nice. Yeah. Like Juno's, all of them, the 106, the Juno 60. My favorite synth is the Jupiter four, but I don't owe one, but I like to have one. It's really amazing. Mm. And um, working a lot with uh, Electron. <laughs> I, I pronounce it really German, right? Electron. <laughs> no, like Electron, uh, the analog rhythm. Cool. Yeah, it's, um, I love it. Super, super nice workflow. And I had also some Vermona stuff, but it always depends on what kind of music. I'm not doing, I'm not using so many uh, different drum machines, actually. I'm trying to do everything on one or maybe two drum machines, maybe a module system or something. But yeah. Amazing. Yeah, I've just got an old Korg, and I think I was looking at the Junos, and I think I realized it's all because of Sigaros and Nils Ram. It's all their fault that they cost, you know, hundreds or thousands of pounds. So <laughs> yeah. if you could pass on my annoyance to Nils, that'd be. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. After his YouTube video. Where he played yeah. the Juno with the piano, I think um, the price of the Juno 60 exploded. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. Uh, you hear it on Ad Astra as well, don't you? Um, I think they use Says in the end. Yeah. There's that long sequence in the film. Yeah. So yeah probably yeah. put a few hundred pounds on the price as well when it entered Hollywood as well. Yeah, um, it, it did, yeah. <laughs> right, I think this is my first interview where it's taken us half an hour to actually talk about your music. So sorry, that wasn't the plan. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Can you tell us about your music and, um, you've just dropped dreaming of a better place. Your, uh, new EP. I'd love to, yeah, maybe start with the title of the EP. Um, yeah, the title is, um, as you said, um, dreaming of a better place. And, um, it's my second EP. I did, a, did an EP before, which was called all to youth. Um, mm. and it's kind of, uh, yeah, the second part of this whole thing. So I, I always thought of two EPs, um, which are kind of uh, describing my youth. And I'm, I worked, as I, as, I, as I told before, that I love to compose music, um, having scenes like film scenes in my head, or like maybe memories of um, certain situations. And I always, I was thinking of situations of my youth where when I was um, composing the first EP and the second EP was more or less, uh, were more or less situations of, yeah, of the past, of the last years in Berlin. And that's, that's what, it, what the whole EP is about. It's like a, like a, actually like a movie, like a little movie, like a trip through a movie that I had in mind.
Also, Berlin has been a big inspiration, just the place as well. Yeah, Berlin, all my friends, everything I, all my experiences that I made. Yeah, it was, um, and also the tour, of course, with Niels and all those um, influences that I had on tour, they made me do the CP. So it kind of starts with um, kind of, I don't like the word, but kind of epic soundtrack-like um, soundscape, the mm -hmm. first track. Then it goes more, more or less into some dance vibes. And um, it ends with some ambient tracks and with um, the main track, Dreaming of a Better Place, which is more or less um, also kind of a soundtrack for my whole life, maybe. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, because I was going to say the, the last track, I got really strong, massive attack vibes. Very orchestral, but, you know, awesome beat kind of trip hop vibes as well. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, nice. yeah, that that's that that's kind of uh, the music that I heard that I was listening listened to when I was younger, and um, exactly like Massive Attack, all the trip hop stuff, Bots of Canada, and so on. And um, so I just I just started with a guitar riff last year and wanted to do an ambient track because I wanted to finish the EP with. Um, with an ambient track actually but then mm -hmm. I had in mind like putting drums on it and um, a string quartet and vocals and I also asked some really talented people to help me with that because I as I said I did the whole string section um, with the library but I wanted to record real strings so I asked Funkhaus to give me Zal One, the main the main recording room And they said yes, so I had the chance to record everything in Zawan at Funkhaus. And um, yeah, Jonathan Dreyfus, who is a really nice composer from Australia, uh, helped me arranging with arranging the string quartet. And um, Antonio Pulli made the was the engineer. He works a lot with many artists like Niels, like he's the main engineer of Niels Fram and. Works with Olafur, with Hauschka, with yeah, many, many, many people. Erland Oyer. He also uh, did the soundtrack for Joker for the movie. He was the main engineer, um, oh, wow. and also for he he won he won already a Grammy for a series. Um, I forgot the name. I will remember it later. Yeah, and yeah, he's super, 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 super professional and really nice engineer. And uh, the drummer Earl Haben, who was playing with Air, with the band Air, he uh, played the drums. So maybe that's why it's a little kind of massive attack vibes. Oh man! So Hausker and um, Hilda, who did the Joker score, have they both been at Funk House as well? Mm, no, I, um, they did the score at another studio. Um, it's also in Berlin, in Prenzlauerberg, but I forgot the name of the studio. It's uh, the studio of Fra uh, Francesco Donatello, who is also an yeah. engineer. Yeah, and he works. Oh, a lot yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. That sounds really cool. I mean, when you describe recording in Zar 1, it makes me think of how artists in the UK mention recording at, say, Abbey Road Studios and how that was such a amazing thing for them. It sounds like a similar kind of comparison to me. Yeah, exactly. So, but the the only difference is that many artists are recording at Abbey Road, Abbey Road Studios, mm. and at Funkos, I think since I'm there, there were maybe three or four recordings at all. Right. So, yeah, it's it's something special um, for me to record there, and it was really really special situation for everyone and also Antonio he said he recorded so much because before one of the recordings was Johan Johansson he started to record there the mm -hmm. um, the soundtrack for um, for the Mexican cartel movie Sicario yeah exactly Sicario and uh, I think Hans Zimmer finished it right um, do you mean the sequel Sicario 2 
um, I think it was the first one. Oh, one? I think. Do you mean Blade? I think you mean Blade Blade Runner. Blade Runner. That was where. Oh, yeah, sorry. I am. Uh, Sicario. He did the soundtrack for Sicario, right? I meant Blade Runner. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I thought you might have meant Sicario too, because then Hilda Guadagnino. Um, sorry, I'm really bad at pronouncing her name. Um, she did the sequel because I think she used to play a lot of cello for Johan Johansson. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, exactly. So, um, 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 Johan Zimmer Johan... finished Blade Runner 2049. Yeah. Yeah, he started to do Blade Runner and then uh, Hans Zimmer did it, made it. Yeah, because, yeah. Well, that's exciting because a lot of people are desperate to hear the music Johan did for that film. I don't think anyone's ever heard it. Maybe you've got a secret CD or something there at Funk House. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I wish I would have one, but I don't have, we don't have it. Um, yeah, so, but but Antonio said he also never really had the chance to record at Studio One at Funk House, so it was the first time for him mm. um, for for recording like that. And um, so we were we were all excited about it and spent the whole day there. So yeah, sounds really really nice, I guess. Yeah, God, it sounds so exciting and inspiring place to be um i mean can you just uh, how do you describe your music because you're, you're not exactly a edm hands in the air electronic artist are you you're pretty ambient um very chill how do you describe it yourself yeah i don't know it's so maybe like a mix between idm ambient and just electronic dance vibes it's quite hard because i i don't like to 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 say that I'm an artist from that genre. I just, mm. um, I just do music and mostly, so the most important thing for me is that it always has um, a feeling of this could be a soundtrack for something. So that's what I always want to do. And mm. um, it can be a dance track. It can be a techno track. There will be some techno tracks on my album, uh, my upcoming upcoming album, which I'm producing right now. And um, cool. yeah, just, I just love to combine all the influences that I had when I was younger. No, it's amazing. I mean, because Dreaming, Dreaming of a Best Place is only your second EP, right? Which is crazy because it sounds like, I don't know, it could be your 20th EP. It sounds so such a mature... Thanks. So and you clearly mastered production and all the different facets of your music, it feels like. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's my second EP that I released, but I made a lot of records before. So I tried out a lot, and um, that's just the music that feels right to me to release. And before, I was just playing a lot of live yeah, I played a lot of live shows, played a lot of uh, live sets, and w I was producing. F so I, I, I created a few projects just just to try out music, just to go on tour with someone and to, to get a feeling for what I want to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, did, I, I, did I read um, Marianne Hobbs has been playing some of your music? Because... Um... Yeah, is that right? Yeah, that's right. That was crazy. Because um, there, there was a guy from UK who wrote us, Mike. He's a radio promoter. And um, he just, I think I had only one track on Spotify, which was Duro, my very first track I released. Um, and I made the track eight years ago. So it was... Uh, I had it on my computer for eight years and I was just improving it. And I was like every year I added maybe a kick drum or maybe a snare or, or I deleted something. And then I decided to release it because it, it felt right at that moment, like last year. And um, mm. a few weeks later, that guy, Mike wrote us, me and my manager and um, said, Hey, I really love that tune. And, 
uh, I would like to do um, radio promotion for you guys. And I'm, I think I can send it to all the big radio stations. And we were like, yeah, okay, come on. Um, you can try <laughs> if you want. <laughs> and like one week later, yeah, so we have uh, some place at Radio 1, some place at Radio 6, Marian Hobbs is uh, doing the premiere. And that was crazy, actually, because I'm a huge fan. And um, yeah, she said some nice words and played that track. Yeah, I mean, since the pandemic, I've listened to Radio 6 every morning when I wake up. So I've, maybe I've heard you. <laughs> Oh yeah, on a show. But yeah, that's in the UK. That's a big. If you're an, alter, an alternative artist, that's kind of a big deal. Um, I'm sure. I'm guessing you know she organised that big concert for the BBC Proms for Nils Ram and um, Wing Victory for the Salon. Yeah, yeah, I know. I saw it. So I think she's yeah. also a good friend of Nils, actually. But yeah, they did a show recently which I listened to, which was awesome. Um, just random question is, what, what would you say is the German equivalent of Radio 6? Because last time I was in Berlin, I was trying to, I thought, oh, I should listen to a German radio station to make it more authentic rather than just listening to Radio 6 all the time. And I, oh, that's cool. That, that's so hard because we have, I would say in Berlin, we have Flux FM, which is kind of, um, they, play, they play a lot of electronic music or alternative music. Um, and Radio One, it's it's also called Radio Eins. Um, it's from RBB. Uh, but we don't really have a radio station that has a power like BBC, like right. Radio One or Radio Six, because um, it was so crazy when Marianne Hobbs played uh, my track. I saw the next day um, the, the stats for uh, Shazam. And mm -hmm. it were like 400 or 500 Shazams. Right. In, you know, in three minutes. And when someone plays my music um, on German radio stations, I don't even get one Shazam or maybe one <laughs> or two because people don't really listen to German radio stations that much um, or they listen to like the German mainstream radio stations, which are quite nice. But it would be great to have a um, to have a good electronic radio station in, in Germany. I'm missing it actually. Well, yeah, because I was in Berlin and then I started listening to some of the like I think they were the state stations and I was trying to find like an alternative one, but they were all just playing like Adele and yeah. <laughs> pop music. So I was really yeah. I, I guess I need to do more research, but yeah, uh, exactly. Um, yeah, can you talk about um, the coll collaborations on your new EP? It sounds like you work with a lot of cool people and obviously a string quartet. Yeah, I'd love to hear about that side of it. Yeah, the only um, collaboration was uh, on the last track, on the track called Dreaming of a Better Place, where I was yeah working with working with um, yeah, Earl Harbin, the drummer from Air, and he played also from Pet, for Pet, Pet Shop Boys, and yeah, he's a really amazing drummer. And um, with Jonathan Dreyfus, who's a composer and mm. string arranger, and um, Antonio, that's it actually. And yeah, of course, uh, the singers. So Tala, who is a singer from Berlin, she's amazing. You have to check her out. Um, her voice is just stunning. Mm -hmm. And she she made she did the vocals for the last track for the Dream of a Better Place track. And um, Nora, who's a friend of mine. Uh, she's currently in Berlin. She lives in Paris, actually, but uh, she's also a really nice singer. And she made the, um, all the ad libs for 1990 and Love. So it's her voice. Mm -hmm. I actually, there's a nice story. I worked with uh, Fink uh, originally on the track, on the last mm -hmm. track. And we did a, such a nice version. And he, he wrote... An amazing track, and I'm a huge fan of Think. And when when he said yes that he wants to, to do to do the track with me, then yeah, it was I was super excited, and actually was so nice and so perfect. I would I would love to release it one day, but it wasn't really um, it, it didn't fit on the P 
right now. So, but maybe there will be a vocal edit um, that we will will release someday, or maybe we will work together on some more tracks. No, that's awesome. I've noticed we keep talking about the kind of neoclassical scene, which feels like you're really connected to, even though you're an electronic artist. But um, yeah, who are some of your favorite electronic artists that have inspired you as well? You mean like um, all-time favorite? All right. Yeah, well, all-time or recent, yeah, whoever comes to mind, I guess. Yeah, of course, there are many names. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm listening a lot of lot to artists like uh, Forest Swords, um, Boards of Canada, um, of course, Ethics mm. Twin, all the big names. Um, there are some some names like uh, Susumu Yukota, or um, I don't know, you know, Okre? Or Ocker? Oh, I think, yeah, I think so. I think it's not so, he or she, I'm, I'm not sure who, uh, who, who, who is Ocker, but um, I, I had one song that I, I, I discovered, discovered one song that I really liked. Um, I can check it out. It's called Ocker, um, A Midsummer Nice Dream. Super mm. nice. Yeah. And there's there's some some new artists like I, I love um, Logic One Thousand. Mm-hmm. Three nice uh, Sophia Cortezes. She's also oh, from yeah. Memphis. She yeah she's been on Marion Hobbs a lot. <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, yeah, she remixed a track by Ela Minus, who I've been really getting into. Uh, which track? Uh, she's re- remixed a track by an artist called Ella Minus or Ela Minus. He's a super uh, analog. Ah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm becoming a big fan of hers recently. Yeah, she, and she does everything like on like an eight track. She doesn't even use a computer. That's so cool. I think Nils Ram might approve of her. She's Colombian, lives in New York, I think. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah definitely out. worth checking out. Nice. Yeah, but I also love music like The Cure. You know, like old mm-hmm. bands. Um, yeah, Tom York and so on. I, I love. I think it's not so far away from each other. Like electronic music, classical music, and also the, um, the nineties alternative indie scene. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's quite similar. It's quite the same feelings, I guess. Yeah, because do you know uh, Lambert, the composer? Lambert, yeah. Yeah, I, I thought you guys must have crossed paths. I don't know if you've actually met, but I'm... Yeah, we, we met that one, but um, I didn't know that he was Lambert. He was playing in another band. Oh, I see. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I've interviewed him without his mask on. I feel quite lucky to have seen oh, him. Yeah. But um, I remember he was saying about the Berlin music scene, it kind of feels like it's either neoclassical, techno, or then he said there's a load of rock bands that no one else in the world... Yeah. Do you feel like that's an accurate description? Yeah. That's pretty true. Um, <laughs> it's very funny, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But but I think also the rock scene is coming back. You know, I think that we we, we will have a, um, yeah, we have some really nice indie bands also from Germany, and I have like I'm waiting for the new Kurt Cobain <laughs> kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, speaking of uh, live, have you performed much and are you looking to get playing again once it's allowed again? Um, if I played uh, my set live, you mean? Or Yeah, have you done many shows with your music? Yeah, you so I was uh, playing live with... Um, before I started to, re- to release my music, I was playing live a lot and I was on tour as a supporting artist with Gold Panda. Mm-hmm. Uh, also with Hon. I don't know if you know Hon. It's a... Yeah, I think so. Also, UK band they they do more like alternative pop music, but really nice music. Super nice guys, they have mm. a nice fan base. Um, and I played a lot of like many opening shows or shows or also supporting shows at Funkhouse. Um, yeah, I got the chance to play uh, kind of before Fortet and Max Cooper. It was a different it was a different stage, but it was the same. Um, the same concert so it was kind of an oh, wow. show. yeah I'm trying to interview Max Cooper 
soon. I need to email his people. But yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, I met, I met him only only once, and also really uh, shortly. But yeah, he was a really nice guy. Mm. I think he played twice at phone calls. Yeah. So what what does a Liam Moore live show look like? Because I'm guessing you don't want to be one of those um, electronic artists that just looks like he's checking his email and hitting spacebar to play his music. <laughs> yeah. So um, I try to play live as much as possible, and there are many tracks that I can play completely live where I don't don't even need the computer. I'm mainly use my laptop just to sync things, just um, to sync synthesizers and drum machines and so on. If it's yeah. not possible to sync it with the drum machine itself. But um, it depends on on the budget, on the stage, on the on the city, because I can um, take all my gear to, to another country, of course, at the moment. It's, it would be too expensive and it would be a huge risk. For example, Niels is traveling. He, I think, he has always uh, like spare synthesizers, just in case um, something breaks. He always has like a second one of everything. Yeah, a spare one. And um, for, for now, I have some synthesizers, some drum machines. I use a tape uh, tape recorder to play samples, which is super oh, fun cool. because you can manipulate the tape live it's um yeah it's quite fun and um i i would love to to extend the show like to to work with an with a visual artist and to make a real show out of it like a real experience and not just a dj show but i also like dj dj sets so why not i just don't like it if you know if you play a dj set and you play on cd uh, cdjs for example Mm. I mean, you're just playing. You just press play, right? So, yeah. why should the people stare at you? Why can't they just dance? Because, yeah, it, it's kind of uncomfortable if you like on stage with some some players and you just press play and everyone's looking at you and and you, you behave like you're playing a rock show. I don't really like it. I would love to say, hey guys, please don't stare at me. Just have a good time and just dance, and I'm, I'll be your DJ for tonight. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. yeah. I, I really don't get it why people, why we got there. No, definitely. Um, I think Max Cooper did a huge visual show at the Barbican not too long ago. So maybe the Barbican are your people to talk to if you want a big, uh, yeah, yeah. big massive screen with visuals going on. Um, and speaking of tapes, yeah, I saw I was watching a Johan Johansson live concert where he, yeah, he was kept replacing like tapes on his tape machine. I didn't really know what he was doing, so I think you've kind of filled in the blank. I mean, that was that for a cool kind of sampling thing. Yeah, I actually never saw a live show of, of Johan Johansson. Oh, this was just on YouTube. But I have, in fact, I have seen him years ago. Oh, really nice um, at the Barbican, but I, I, I didn't really know him that well. Back then, but I realised now how lucky I was. But yeah, he he in this video, he's like, um, yeah, he keeps doing something to his tape machine. I didn't really know what he was doing, but I think you've made me understand it was um, to do with sampling, I guess. Okay, nice. Yeah, maybe like live sampling, maybe. I presume so. Yeah, it sounded great either way. <laughs> um, yeah, Forte oh, yeah. does a lot, a lot of live sampling, which yeah. is really nice. He's like recording. Uh, He's recording everything he plays, and then he plays. Then he is live um, editing all the files, and like play. Oh. He plays it again, like reversed or affected. Super, super nice way of um, of playing a DJ show with some fresh elements. You know. No, definitely. Oh, oh Liam, thanks so much. So finally, um, yeah, what what are you up to for the rest of the year and do you know when that album you mentioned might be getting released? Yeah, I'm, I'm working on it on my first album right now. Um, I wrote a lot of tracks and I'm just, at, at the moment, I'm just um, trying to get a bigger picture of the album, where it could go and into which direction. But 
I definitely will release um, the album this year. I'm pretty sure. And um, yeah, trying to release more music, trying to make the best out of the situation right now because we can't play live. So like all the musicians. So I'm trying to, to produce and to write as much as possible and to enjoy the time at, at, at my studio. No, amazing. Oh, well, thanks so much for your time. And um, yeah, so Dreaming of a Better Place is out now. Um, and your other EP, sorry, I've forgotten the name, is out to listen to as well. When I look into your eyes, is that it? Yeah, thanks so much. Sorry, what yeah. was that? And your first EP is also, people can go and check that out as well. I am. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, feel free to check out all my stuff. and I really appreciate it. And thank you so much for, for your time and for the interview. And it was super nice to talk to you. Thanks. Yeah, no worries. Cheers, Liam. Thanks so much, man. See you, man. Yeah. Headliner Radio, supporting the creative community.